Hi, welcome to the True Crime Podcast, where we try to focus mainly on San Diego cases. I'm Renette. And I'm Irina. Today, I will be speaking about John Albert Gardner III. So first, we're going to speak about the first victim. Her name was Amber Dubois. Mm -hmm. She was born on October 25th, 1994 in Escondido, California. Mm -hmm. She was the oldest. She had one younger sister. Her parents were divorced, but they were both still very close with the girls and the family still got along well. The family and friends of Amber described her as quirky, artistic, free-spirited. She was sort of like an introvert, and she liked to keep to herself, and she stayed away from large crowds. She went to Escondido High School. She was 14. She was a freshman, and she was taking extra classes already to finish high school early. Oh, great. Yeah. And um, she was actually part of the National FFA organization, which stands for the Future Farmers of America. Aww, yeah, so she was so a, cute. I know. She was a really big animal activist. And this organization, they focused mainly on American youth and students uh, based on middle and high school. Mm-hmm. And they had classes at her school that promoted and supported agricultural education. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's what she wanted to do. And another reason why she wanted to finish school early, because she already knew what her career path was. Mm-hmm. On February 13th of 2009, Amber was walking to school, which is about a mile away from her house. Uh, that day, she was actually planning on buying a lamb for oh, for so this cute. organization yeah for the farm as a project but unfortunately she never made it to school when amber didn't come home that afternoon her stepfather was very worried he had been calling her texting her she wasn't answering he called the school and asked where she was and they were actually surprised that he didn't know because she had a perfect attendance and mm-hmm. she didn't show up to school But they didn't have a chance to call her parents yet. Mm -hmm. And so that's when they called the police and they started to file a missing persons report and start looking for her. Her cell phone stopped ringing. It was dead for the whole day that she was missing. Mm -hmm. And then it actually turned on for about 20 seconds, 24 hours later. And it was then shut off and never turned on again. It was pinged at a cell phone tower Uh, about 10 minutes from her house oh my gosh that's so close yeah basically on the path of where she walked on that same road oh my gosh Um, when they interviewed some witnesses said that they actually saw amber as they usually did every morning Mm -hmm. walking but then that she was talking to a man but they didn't know and he was in his car but they couldn't really remember what he looked like or what type of car it was just that she was speaking to someone the search continued like they didn't people. even remember the color of the car, though. I understand, no, like, not the make was, or whatever. But Yeah, it, I tried to look up more information. Um, just witnesses said that they just kind of noticed her and she was speaking to someone, but they figured it was just someone she knew. Okay. Because no red, real red flags until mm-hmm. after she was missing. They realized this could have been the person that had something to do with her disappearance. Mm-hmm. But hundreds of groups, search groups, were sent out and... For many, many days, people were looking for her, but they were unsuccessful. A year went by and still nothing. Her, oh no trace of her at all was found. Nothing. This was in 94, you said? Uh, 2009. Or 2009. Mm-hmm. Dang, I was way off. First of all, <laughs> she was born in 94, I think you said, yes, maybe. Yes, yes, she was born So in there 94. was like um, 
At that time, there's like cameras, video cameras, right? Yeah, I mean, there should have been some type of surveillance, but on the street that she walked on was, there was no, um, there were no stores or anything. It was, so yeah, it wasn't, there was no trace of her at all. So she was missing for a year at that point, but Mm -hmm. like there was no diaries or anything in her room that... No, so they did ask the father, they interviewed the parents many times and they would ask, was there any sign that she was unhappy in the home or she met someone or wanted to run away? And they said no, that she was not unhappy. She was a very happy child and she was content. And because the parents were divorced, they asked, you know, like, is there any resentment? Mm -hmm. But they said no, that she was just normal kid and she was excited that day she actually had um an envelope with two hundred dollars in her bag to buy the lamb for the art for the project so she was looking forward to things it wasn't like as if you know she was gonna go run off or anything and there was no sign of him her journal or anything so after a year nothing came up and they kind of stopped searches um at that point mm-hmm. one year later on february 25th 2010 another young girl went missing mm-hmm. her name was chelsea king does that sound familiar I remember that, yeah i recognize that name yes. that one i remember that um too that was a big deal so chelsea king she was born on july 1st 1992 in poway california she was an only child and she was very very close with her family mm-hmm. they were extremely extremely close her parents were always involved in her life and she was just a very happy child she was described to be very smart, popular, and kind. Uh, she was 17 years old. She went to Poway High School. She was a peer counselor. She played volleyball, French horn. She liked to write poetry. And she was also a really big environmental activist. Aww. And she, um, her career path was going to be in something that has to do with the environment. She actually applied to 11 different colleges and was accepted to all 11. Oh, wow. She was really smart. Wow. Yeah, and she was... Just talented, I mean, mm-hmm. sports and music and writing. On February 25th, 2010, about a year, almost exactly a year after Amber went missing, she went jogging in Rancho Bernardo Community Park, but she never returned home. She was only supposed to be gone for about an hour. And she was actually on a run um, in the park on a trail that she had never gone on before to do uh, research for one of her environmental projects. And so she wasn't very familiar with it. A lot of people were worried that she had gotten lost or hurt. So they immediately sent out search parties to look for her. They're extremely worried because they found her car in the parking lot of the park with her wallet, phone, and iPod inside. And the car was locked. The case immediately was compared to Amber's. And they were saying that Um, This has to be connected somehow. When Chelsea went missing, um, Amber's parents were part of the search team. And when they were were interviewed, they immediately said, this has to be connected to Amber. That it's been one year, almost exactly on the day that she went missing. And now another young girl went missing. And apparently it's, I mean, I'm sure people went missing between that time. Mm -hmm. But they just kind of had a sense that it was, and they were correct. Yeah. On the search to find Chelsea, they found uh, little by little, uh, they found a sock. They found underwear with blood on it. Oh, God. And then about um, maybe like a 10-minute walk away, they found uh, one of her shoes. 
Then closer to the water, they found her second shoe and a bra with blood on it as well. So they went to go get those tested and they did see that the blood results came back with DNA of Chelsea and one other person. When they found the items, it was the same day, you said? The same day of the search. Then when they found those items, they couldn't find her body quite yet. They actually, FBI divers found her body five days later on March 2nd of 2010. She was buried in a shallow grave on the southeast corner of the lake. So she actually died by strangulation. During the search for Chelsea, when this news was spreading like wildfire all throughout San Diego and Southern California, so many people came out to search just like they did for Amber. And when this happened, um, actually a, a young woman came out, Candice Moncayo. Mm-hmm. She came out and told them that two months prior to Chelsea's disappearance, she was attacked at the same part of the park when she went jogging. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And she said she was attacked by a man who ran at her at full speed, uh, but she was able to elbow him in the face. She knew Taekwondo and she ran off. Her description of him was a white man in his 20s, stocky build, about 6'2", with short dark hair. The description did describe very similarly to John Albert Gardner. John Albert Gardner III, he was born on April 9th, 1979 in Culver City, California. His parents were divorced when he was very, very young, uh, when he was a child. He traveled a lot back and forth in Southern California to his father's house, his mother's house. Mm -hmm. He said that according to John, um, his father was very abusive, physically abusive, and he was an alcoholic. His mother, Kathy, was actually a psychiatric nurse and gardener, John. He was put on psychiatric medication starting at age six. Oh my gosh, for what? For ADHD and rage, he was just, he would have like tantrums and lash out a lot. Oh man. And he just had a lot of built up anger. Uh huh. And a lot of people, um, you know, stated it was probably because of the divorce and not having a stable home. And yeah. parents. I always feel like it's so scary when kids mm-hmm. like that young have like those kind of problems. I know because you never know how they're going to take it. Yeah. And how are they going to lash out? Garner yeah. graduated from Rim of the World High School. Which... Rim of the World? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I thought that was so <laughs> Where is this school at? It's in Lake Arrowhead, oh, California. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there. I've never actually been there, but it's not that far from here, apparently. No. Yeah. <laughs> he graduated in 1997, and a year later, he moved here to San Diego. He actually wanted to become a math teacher. Okay. Which is odd. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a good thing he didn't, because in 2000, at the age of 21, he was actually convicted of molesting a 13-year-old girl, his neighbor. Oh, man. Um, he spent five years in prison and he completed his parole in 2008. He actually had one of those GPS anklets mm-hmm. on for about four months before the murder of Amber. Oh, man. But while he had the GPS anklet, anklet he actually violated his parole over 168 times. How <laughs> did he get away with that? I don't understand. When I read this, I thought it was a typo. But um, apparently, he was able to get away with spending time 
in close proximity to schools, elementary, middle, and high schools. He was able to stay. He lived in front of a daycare, and he was actually allowed on prison grounds in which he was suspected of delivering contraband to a prisoner, a friend. So I thought, like, <laughs> when you molest... Um, you know, he, he should be on, what is it called when you're like on that database? On the list. Right, like... The sexual offenders. Not, so how was he able to live across the street from like a daycare? So that's the, that's the next topic actually because he was on that list. But mm-hmm. during... So when Chelsea went missing during the search, obviously police, they interviewed everyone on the sex offenders list mm-hmm. in that area. But they missed Gardner. Damn it. His registered address was actually at his grandmother's house, which is 50 miles away. Mm-hmm. But he was living with his mother. And that was right next to Rancho Bernardo Park, where she went missing. When they interviewed Gardner's mother, uh, she said that when Amber had gone missing and during that whole year, that he was acting very, very erratic and suicidal again. He had been doing pretty well. For mm-hmm. several years after he had gotten out of prison, she didn't really know what he was doing, though. She did say that when he came home the day that Chelsea went missing, a year after Amber, mm-hmm. that he came home holding a headless snake and blamed the snake for him having mud and blood and scratches all over him. The mom believed him. How can a st- snake give him all of those scratches? Like a snake, if it gets you, it's going to like... dig it's two fangs in you that's what it's gonna do it's not gonna scratch your ass up and you're not getting in a fight with any time david or aiden has ever told me anything and when i'm kind of like questioning if what they're telling me is the truth like i always like play that scene out in my head to Mm -hmm. see if it's a possibility if one of my boys came in and said oh i'm like this scratched up dirty mud whatever because of a snake (laughs) i'd be like you damn fucking liar like you don't get in a fight with a snake they'll kill you or they'll, <laughs> they'll just you know they bite, bite you <laughs> yeah that was a really stupid reason but um his mom got a lot of hate for this and mm-hmm. there's actually a couple of instances where her house was vandalized um when Gardner was arrested I understand the yeah. people's like anger towards her mm-hmm. Gardner was arrested on February 28th of 2010 he was at a bar um, at the western shore of Lake Hodges in Escondido. Mm-hmm. His DNA was found on Chelsea's clothes, that um, the blood that they found on the bra. socks and the bra and underwear. Gardner denied everything, and he even joked about um, Amber. He's like, oh, you're going to pin Amber's death on me too? Wow. Yeah. Wow. In 2000, a psychiatrist who had analyzed Gardner stated that the defendant does not suffer from a psychotic disorder. He simply is a bad guy who is inordinately interested in young girls. However, his predilection toward younger girls is a problem. He manifests significant predatory traits and is a danger to the community. So this was in 2000 when he was in prison for molesting the his 13-year-old neighbor. One of the main threats that Gardner's mother received was someone spray-painted on her garage door saying, Chelsea's blood is on you, move out. She was a registered nurse at Scripps Mercy Hospital in Hillcrest, the behavioral health unit. Mm-hmm. When news interviewed some of her co-workers, some of them stated that uh, Gardner's mother knew that Gardner was a danger and never reported him. 
Wow. Her judgment could let other people out of a psychiatric facility that should not be. The staff do not respect her anymore and have to listen to her because she is in a position of authority and this is not right. I understand um, that. There was actually a lot of photos of her on social media in which nude photos of and her. Like her at parties and like drinking oh and gosh. yeah, so just wasn't did he look at any of those photos yeah they were on the some of the news clippings i saw and obviously they were blurred out but yeah um her just like partying it up on the beach and with bottles of alcohol and just going crazy i mean her her and um her ex-husband were both big alcoholics so gardner initially pled not guilty but once the death penalty was on the table he quickly changed his mind and pled guilty to all charges he later showed police where amber's body would be found Mm -hmm. about 13 months after her disappearance she was found in pala on an indian reservation about north 20 miles north of where he kidnapped her oh wow in a shallow grave and her cause of death was homicide by stabbing okay So during the trial, Amber's father uh, spoke out Mm -hmm. to Gardner and uh, he said, quote, now for our last hope for justice, we depend on the prison community to slowly and painfully cause your remaining days on this earth to be a living nightmare. Unquote. Good for him. (laughs) I thought that was a really good quote. I was like, good for you. Poor guy. Another person who spoke at the trial was the survivor, uh, Candice Moncayo. Mm-hmm. She um, she had a statement. She was crying about, like, you know, um, how the attack affected her and still affects her and how mm. paranoid she is now. And she's so glad that she was able to get away. But unfortunately, Amber and Chelsea um, yeah. couldn't. And uh, she, at the end of her statement, she said... Um, she asked Gardner how his nose is because she oh elbowed she him punched him she elbowed him in oh the face. she did the taekwondo yeah that's right when he tackled her and she elbowed him in the face yeah when she said this Gardner immediately became angry and almost like got up and like wanted to attack her because oh my god and then the lawyer and the um the police or the like the guard the guards <clears throat> had to control him wow. Yeah, that's how he got angry. He didn't get angry for anything else being called a murderer and a rapist and right. a pedophile. But, oh, God forbid, the survivor asked him how his face is because mm-hmm. she actually got away. Yeah. So. Little weenie. Was, I know. <laughs> what a loser. Anyway, on May 14th, 2010, Judge David Danielson sentenced Gardner to life imprisonment mm-hmm. with no possibility of parole two terms of life imprisonment without parole for the murder and rape of Chelsea King and Amber Dubois, and another term of 25 years for assault with attempt to commit a rape, and an additional 24 years of imprisonment for prior convictions. So basically all of the uh, times that he had um, violated his parole. Okay. Like <clears throat> so, well, those 168 times, was it? Yeah. Or, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Gardner is currently rotting in Mule Creek State Prison. That's mm-hmm. up by Sacramento. Okay. He's 43 years old. That is the case of Chelsea King and Amber Dubois, victims that were murdered and raped by John Albert Garner. Well, I'm glad that uh, he was found, right? Because not all of yeah. these, they don't always found the perpetrator. I mean, and yeah. he got away with so much. He did. So 
I'm glad, yeah, that he actually was caught and uh, RIP to Amber and Chelsea. Yes. Two young girls. There are a few clips of Gardner as he's being interviewed because he was always very quiet in trial. He didn't say anything. The only time he spoke out was when he got angry at Candace for confronting him about yeah. his face that she got away um, from him. And he did say in the interviews um, that he knew what he did was wrong and that he does deserve to be put away for what he did. But he also feels like he did ask for help ever since he was a child. And he feels like he was always just kind of neglected in certain ways oh and, boo-hoo. yeah and that he um he feels like he should have been helped more like his mental health and so if he was feeling that way he could have easily went to like some mental health hospital mm-hmm. and said this is how i'm feeling i have feelings of wanting to do this and that to yeah. women like and basically wanting to rape and murder and and a lot of people grew up grow up you know with divorced parents yes. and moving around and having anger issues or ADHD, but they don't go off and start murdering people. So right, everyone has free will. So I wonder how his mom is feeling now, right? Like, or oh, especially yeah. like once they gave their victim impact mm-hmm. statements or whatever they, they are called. Um, yeah. I wonder if she felt kind of like, oh, this thing. Yeah. You know, I kind of was like not, um, maybe she was in denial. I don't know. I think she was. Um, I think at some point she did admit that she should have done more, but... Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's like, I mean, there's nothing she can really say to make it. Can you imagine, better. though? I'm sure there's a lot of things that she's seen him do mm-hmm. that she just never came forward with. Like, yeah. she probably saw some wild things coming from him. Yeah. And um, even though she did, I guess, try to help him as a child, mm-hmm. um, seems like he, in his teen years and then in adulthood, he just ran wild and got away with a lot of shit. So well, Because she was partying, too. Yeah. 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 There was no one really watching him, so. Well, let's hope she did better with her patients at the, at the mental hospital I know. that she I'm, worked at. I'm sure she moved away. Yeah. Because I don't know anything else about her. Mm-hmm. She yeah. was in denial of her child being one of the worst patients she could she ever had, basically. Yeah. So that was the case of John Albert Gardner III. We are actually going to just do audio only, um, no video for a while. We'll try it out. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see how this goes because we want to add these to audio only platforms so that way um, people can listen and don't have to um, watch us only on YouTube. More yep. options. And for the next episode, it will be my turn and I will be choosing some local San Diego case. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will be back in another couple weeks. Yay. Bye. Bye. Thank you.